This is The Journey's Podcast, and I'm your host, Mark Stolo. Today I'm talking with Bhaskar Goswami. From Assam, India, Bhaskar was born into the yogic tradition. He comes from the lineage of Asishta, who is considered to be one of the founding fathers of this ancient practice. He has gone through extensive training in yoga and meditation, learning from the world's most venerated international teachers. Bhaskar is the founder of two multiple award-winning organizations dedicated to making wellness practices accessible to all. Bhaskar invites you to consider, what is I? When we pull back the curtain on the layers of things, experiences, and people we identify with, what abides in the space beyond that which is pushing and pulling us through life? What majesty exists in those untouched spaces? I got to start off with the, with the first and most obvious question. Um, I know lots of engineers. I don't know a ton of yogi engineers. Mm. Tell me about what that means. What's a, what is a yogi engineer? Beautiful question. It's the exact same principle as an engineer. If you look around you, most things are built by engineers, the computer, the microphone, the headphones. We take that same way of thinking and drop it inside this mind-body system uh, because this human entity we call I is the most magnificently designed system that's out there. And we're just observing it, analyzing it like an engineer would, as in how does it work? How do you utilize it? How do you optimize it? So that to me is a yogi engineer. Yeah, I love the the combination of those two principles. And and in the journey that you take people on, you talk about the kind of um, the layers of the components of being human in a way. Maybe let's start there. Let's talk about the layers of experience you take people through in this journey, why do you take a layered approach? How does this connect back to the kind of sense of wholeness that you're trying to bring into people's day-to-day existence? Yeah, first of all, let me start by expressing that I was blown away when I discovered all of this. I I didn't know it even existed when I heard about yoga. So going back to my, my late teens, early 20s, I was developing these back spasms and I happened to meet this yoga master and uh, I thought I was just meeting him to alleviate my back pain. I had no idea that yoga was such a profound science of self-awareness. And it's, it's an aspect that, that has affected my life so much in a positive way that all I do is kind of share my enthusiasm. <laughs> much like if you see an app on your phone going, this app is so cool, you got to check it out. It's kind of that when you are the app, you know, and there's so many amazing features in this mind-body system we call I. So I know so little about I. That's what I realized. I know about what I want, I don't want, I like, I dislike, I believe, I don't believe, all that stuff. But what is this I behind that? It's a question that I just wasn't aware of even asking. And when we just double down on that experience of what I is, it is a profound revelation. And uh, as you start to notice this I, you suddenly start to appreciate it, care for it. And you realize that every other human being, every other sentient being pretty much has the same mechanics, the same laws of nature that are applicable to them. So that sense of care broadens. So that's that's kind of been my experience. So these, these layers that these ancient yogis sort of broke it down to, which this course dives into, are the five layers of what I call I. So there's the physical layer which is the most obvious layer, the flesh, the bones, the organs, cells, tissues, and so on. All that is material in that sense. Then the the other layers are invisible. 
yet tangible if this awareness is subtle enough. So the next uh, layer is the energetic layer, which we're aware of. For me to move right now, I need energy. Otherwise, I'd be an inanimate object. So there's a layer of energy in this body, and it's profound, and it's complex, and it's incredible when you really drop down on how that impacts your health. The next layer, again, more subtle, but we're aware of, is the mental layer, the place where thoughts, ideas, imagination, memories, hallucinations, all that stuff happens. Uh, when people ask the question, what's he talking about? That thought just happened, you know, in that mind layer. So we know that there's a layer where, where, where this, these thoughts occur. Um, and, and there's so much more to it. There's, these layers are very, there's a lot of depth and distance to each of these layers. The next more subtle layer is the body's inherent intelligence. You know, right now, your heart knows exactly what to do, your kidneys, your liver, your lungs, you know, every cell in the body knows what to do. The hormonal balance, pH balance, body temperature, all that stuff that's happening in your body. This body is a source of profound intelligence if we just know how to tap into it. And yoga is primarily a science of tapping into that really profound intelligence. As the yogis say, your mind is like a sun, your body is like an entire galaxy <laughs> in terms of information and, and intelligence. And the final most subtle layer, the subtle body, which is called the auric body, uh, or the body that's just around the skin. And uh, to some people, this might sound like a weird concept, but this is something that can actually be very easily experienced. And in the journey, we end with uh, an invitation to experience a body beyond the skin. So these are essentially the five layers. And when these five layers are thriving, by definition, it's a successful life. And when they are suffering, whatever is happening outside, it's not a successful life. Is it a cascading effect uh, when you think about the layers? Like I, you know, like the example, like a holarchy comes to mind that each layer kind of transcends and includes the other. So is the assumption that when one layer is not in alignment, so to speak, does it throw all the other layers out of alignment? Is that the general domino effect? Yeah, I, I must say that categorizing and qualifying them as five layers is more of an intellectual exercise. Right. They are intertwined. <laughs> you know, they're not separate, really. Right. You know, <laughs> each affects the other. So what happens to the physical body, you know, and, and vice versa, a subtle body. So the reality is they are not separate layers. It's just, uh, uh, I guess, a convenience of speech to see the separate layers. Um, and indeed, for, for there to be disease in the body, the subtler layers have to be weakened for, for it to hit the physical body. And, and conversely true, when the subtle layers are strong, you're less likely to get sick. From a metaphorical perspective, we're talking about them more as like a manifestation of one field of intelligence or an expression of one field, right? So it's arising from one ground. Yes. Yes. The um, same, I call it the field of information, intelligence, and energy. It's these three components that that make up all these layers. Yeah. So the, these layers are being expressed through that. What happens when we start to tune into this inside story? When, when we move beyond the layer of I that's identified with all of these transient experiences, you know, I am my house, I am my job. I am the guy who does X, I'm the guy who doesn't do Y. When we allow ourselves to let go from that, tune into that inside story of I, what's the big discovery when we do that? When we truly start to experience this I as energy, information, intelligence, it's literally like Alice going through a looking glass and discovering an entirely new world, you know? Uh, and 
and you uh, you also get to see get to see how that world actually impacts the external world because the external world is also energy information intelligence when you start to see life that way it's like you 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 open the curtain and you see what's happening behind the curtain you know like in the wizard of oz you get to see the wizard right. you know? uh, it's just kind of like that you, you understand the mechanics of what's happening in life in a much more profound and rich way externally and internally it is just the way of seeing that is deeply revealing you know to me to myself and also the external world and the i, I guess the the, the the cleverness here is these layers in yoga are called maya koshas kosha means sheath or layer maya actually means illusion which points to the understanding that none of these layers are actually you <laughs> you see so you're just looking after these layers much like you'd look after your house or your car or your clothes or your kids or whatever it might be these are things you're looking after these are all things that you accumulated and you look after it and it goes away kind of a thing. So uh, just like you accumulate stuff around your house, you look after it, but all these layers have this quality of impermanence. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, they come, they stay for a while and they go away. And that's the human experience. You know, there's this, um, there's this feeling that I'm an individual thing and I have to, you know, my life is so important and this sort of a thing. But when we really look at the grand scheme of things, it's just like a little thing that, you know, comes and goes. There's a tiny galaxy, we're in this tiny solar system, and this tiny blue ball, and this tiny planet, you know, and this tiny continent, on this tiny island of Montreal, and here is Bhaskar, who is suddenly, you know, such an important thing. Not so important when you realize everything around is energy, information, intelligence, which you are a part of. This is deeply humbling, and it's profoundly ecstatic it's just to realize you're a part of this magnificent tapestry called life um, and uh, the, the privilege to experience it from an individual perspective that's all that's happening just noticing it's a privilege to experience life from an individual perspective it just changes life completely all the anxiety drama uh, you know stress fears phobias frustrations just dissolve yeah. by just way of experiencing life and that's what yoga gives us and 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 like uh, the mechanics and the science and technology to experience life in this way i want to dip into this because we spend most of our lives trying to become somebody mm. the paradox in the ancient wisdom traditions is they talk a lot about becoming nobody <laughs> uh, ramdas was famous you know he's he's well known for talking in that language you know um, becoming nobody it sounds like like some kind of existential angst it it's obviously easy to kind of look at that maybe through a nihilistic lens what oh, becoming nobody it sounds sounds dark and i mean uncomfortably mysterious what's the difference between being somebody and being becoming nobody and and the, the side of the paradox is in becoming nobody we become everything in the sense of we really start to open that vantage point on a much much broader amplification a larger scale can you shed some light on that because i think it's it's one of these points of paradox of stickiness that certainly it's not easy to describe in language it's filled with all kinds of verbal trappings it's highly experiential which makes it difficult for the mind to just express it in kind of semantics or in concepts but for the sake of people listening let's explore this idea of becoming somebody and 
being nobody? What's the difference in that experience? So let's start with what you've just said here. Uh, the adage that when you speak, you miss the mark. So words cannot capture this because words belong to the intellectual faculty, the thinking mind. And it's wonderful in what it does, but it's hopeless to understand what you're pointing to. It's like a, a bullet cart is good to plow the land, but it won't get you to the moon. It's not the right instrument, you know? If you're trying to use the intellect to understand something that is far beyond the intellect, you just can't get there. So words will miss the mark. And which is why you come up with these apparent paradoxes, something, nothing, you know? Um, and uh, so many other ways, you know? Uh, there's nothing but God. I am God. <laughs> this sort of a thing, right? Um, the, the best way to answer this question is to be curious about the question. This is a fantastic question. You know, the whole magic and mystery and aliveness is in the question. The answer is dead. <laughs> there's, you know, there's no, if somebody told the answer, oh, I get it. There's nothing happening there. It's dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because to your point, if the intellect is getting it, you're not quite, so to, you know, this is, again, this common adage, if you're not quite there yet. It's, this is, you see this throughout, it's quite prominent in the Zen tradition, you know, the Zen teacher asks a question, the student answers it, and the student kind of gets a whack across the head as if to say, like, no, if you're answering it in this way, you're not getting it, you're not quite there yet. Yes, yes. So, um, it's called the mystery of being. And, if, and the only prerequisite is to have some curiosity about the mystery of being. You can achieve and do whatever you want to do. It's perfectly fine, you know? <laughs> in, in this world where you show up as a Mark and I show up as a Pascar and we have our wishes and dreams and ambitions and passions, perfectly fine. <laughs> you know? Yoga does not say anything about that. It's speaking more about the curiosity, about the mystery of being. What is this Mark and Pascar that wants and doesn't want? And uh, when, we, when we just show a little interest in that, we see something else entirely. It's almost like a periscope that's looking outside all the time, and suddenly you bend it back into yourself, and you go, whoa! <laughs> I, 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 you know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. And the field so, of vision expands. I mean, the, 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 it's almost like the periscope drops off. Yeah, yeah. So it might start off with uh, a general disengagement with what we are so accustomed to being identified with. Just a little looseness. It's not like you drop it completely. Just a little looseness. Is that the, is that the first block though? So is that let's is that the first block? The in the hero's journey, we call it like the refusal of the call, the the holding on to what is known. Is that the first place of contraction? And and the when you talk about the inv invitation to become curious is the opening to that which is not known right now. What the yogis call ahamkar, our identity. You know, the silos we build for ourselves with our identity. And then we, we hold this so tight and everything that's not within that identity becomes the other, the foreign, the unknown, the strange, you know? So the whole art and science of the practice is to just broaden the identity. First of all, by holding <laughs> your identity a little bit loose, and then through your own direct experiencing, realizing that you are so much more than this thing that you thought you were. And that can only come from your own direct experience. If I said that to somebody, they might feel informed, inspired, and might feel good for a moment. But the moment something happens, they go back into this tightness. 
Yeah. It's more about cultivating the practice so it becomes an existential reality. That there's so much more to Bhaskar than this tiny brain and this tiny body. Yeah, that's why I think you're playing in the transformational sandbox. Obviously, there's a lot of people playing in the here's how we change you sandbox. Like, I'm defined by X. Okay, let's implement X. Let's implement A, and then you'll become Y. So it's like Mm -hmm. we move you from X to Y. So you're one form. We put in some kind of, you know, we throw some things into the machine, shake it up, and now you're Y. So you're now identified with new things. What I love about what you're doing is it really starts to get into kind of the transformational arts in the sense of it's not so much about shifting Bhaskar. You know, Bhaskar is identified with this. Let's get Bhaskar identified with that. That's that We're not really talking about that. That's just translating a new universe for Bhaskar. There's a lot of that going on, particularly in this world of personal development. Um, a lot of cheerleading and platitudes that are supposed to inspire you to get hooked into something else, so to speak. Uh, you're talking about a completely different experience, which is really plummeting the depths. To that point is we start where you are. This is not about creating a whole new dream world of where you want to be and getting hooked into that new dream world and then finding dissatisfaction there and then jumping to another lily pad and finding dissatisfaction there. It is really transformational in that in that spirit. Yeah. And what I love, what my engineering mind loves about this whole process is there's absolutely no mysticism, no beliefs, no faith, none of that required. It is very universal, secular, tangible, experiential, rational. So you can take your rational mind with you. <laughs> so uh, if, it, if it is what I call it's transrational, your rational mind gets reformed to something beyond what we're used to. But so you don't have to leave that thinking brain or discerning mind behind at all. So uh, it's a uh, it's a very secular, accessible process. As long as you're a human being, you know, you can access this, this incredible practice and technology to really find out what is this thing called I? And it's, it's a tremendous game changer to even have a small grasp of this. And you can see how it impl- impacts me uh, intimately, personally, in the way I go, also how I impact the people around me. So if you are a leader of an organization or something like that, it's going to impact the ambience in, in your executive team, in your corporate structure, you know, in your organization. And suddenly it can even go beyond that to your clients and to society and to you know, to the global collective, it has this this quality of just sort of almost uh, like a scent of a rose, you know, uh, this fragrance that just enamors people around you. Yeah, we all know people like that. I, I've, I've met many. I've I met some who are known. I've met some who are unknown. We're surrounded by them in our huddle network as well. We have so many wonderful mentors and coaches who invite that openness. It's such mm-hmm. a gift that you bring to the world. And I think people want to share those gifts with the world. But of course, the challenges we're often getting in our own way. Uh, we're mm-hmm. living so narrowly, so contracted. It's difficult for us to be open to new things. It's difficult for us to invite opening from others into new things mm-hmm. um, because it's reciprocal in that way, right? We, we bring openness, we invite openness, uh, which is a wonderful thing that you're doing in this journey. You're inviting an openness. And I also like what you said, because I think obviously there's a tendency, particularly in North America, that we look at all of these practices or approaches and we codify them. Mm. Oh, this is yogic tradition. Okay. This is one thing. The creators of these 
intelligences, these practices, didn't care about any of that. It grew out of direct experience, which found its expression in some kind of a language, to your point, which is always elusive. But we have to keep remembering, and I, and again, I think we lose this in the essence, particularly in the yoga traditions in, in North America, and it's, we're seeing this in the meditation traditions, that this is a quality of just direct experience. The insight arises through direct experience. This is not about buying into a system. It's about literally building off your direct experience and spending time with the layer of mind and the layer of feeling and the layer of body. And then, of course, these wonderful wise teachers tried to bring this into the world. Your journey is, particularly in the practical elements, is a lot about this direct experience, inviting people to tap into all of these amazing resources they have at hand. No yoga mats required, no fancy stretch bands, uh, no. no pay, you know, there's no um, three installments of thirty nine ninety nine. It's just, there's this wealth of insight, intelligence, and energy readily available to you if you want to take a dive into the pool. And it's so simple. You know, Mark, imagine that you're standing next to a friend and you open your eyes and you see this incredible sunset. All the hues and colors is just magnificent. And your friend next to you is standing right beside you. It's just their eyes are closed. You know? And that's why, you know, what we call mystics or, or these ancient, you know, wisdom bearers, they just open their eyes, you know, they open their eyes inside, but they just open their eyes. And all they're telling you to do is just open your eyes and they're showing you how to open your eyes, which is so simple. Just so you can enjoy what they're enjoying. It is coming from the place of enthusiasm and, you know, I wish for you to see what I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really what it feels like for me. I wish for people to see what I'm seeing. And there's so much of the suffering and ills intimately and collectively just dissipate just by opening our eyes. Keep on exploring. Bhaskar invites you to go on a huddle journey into the inner game of thriving.